Hello, my name is Karen Wright with KMSU Radio. We've got a special guest this morning who is going to be talking with us about the Minnesota Foundation. His name is Eric Jolly, Dr. Eric Jolly, the president and CEO of the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. He was the CEO of the Science Museum of St. Paul prior to being the president and CEO of the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. He's got a deep science background and he spent a great deal of time in academia, including professor, dean, assistant chancellor. And so we're going to chat with him about the foundation. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. It's great to be here with you, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you, too. You know, I don't know that most people know what a foundation is. So it's this is a community foundation that happens to be called the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. So first, would you define what is a community foundation? So community foundation is a grassroots organization born out of generous members of the community who wanted to care for it in its their present life and thereafter through their legacy. And so we manage gifts and partner with donors all around the state. Our goal is to inspire generosity, to to help others give either through the foundation or directly to nonprofits in their area. And we do that through a number of efforts. We have legacy gifts that were left to the care of the foundation and its board, and we give we invest those gifts and we give the proceeds back to our community. Last year, with our donor advice fund holders, we gave over $90 million to more than 3,000 nonprofits across the nation, most focused right here in Minnesota. And we work in getting more donors to, to join us as partners in donor advice funds that they can invest into their community with our own funds that we invest in our community and in partnership with nonprofits helping them grow their endowments, uh, convert non-cash assets such as homes or real estate that people might want to leave to, well, KMSU, for example, and we can help them turn that into cash for the betterment of the community and their favorite nonprofit. What is the history of this foundation? Because I don't know that a lot of people are familiar with it. The foundation has been around in St. Paul since 1940. And so A lot of people have never heard of it, Eric. So let's talk about its history and how it got started and where it's going now. The foundation is now the largest community foundation in the state and uh, one of the strongest statewide foundations that we have in the nation. We started with a gift from a very generous immigrant woman who had felt welcomed in St. Paul, Annie Paper. And she left a $5,000 gift to support the causes that she cared about in her lifetime. And over the last 80 years, through investment, that gift is now giving more than $5,000 a year away in its proceeds. And she has a legacy of tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts. Today, others like Annie Paper have joined with her, and we manage $1.7 billion in assets that we invest in important organizations that build a value for our community and build our assets so we can give more back to our community. So you essentially are in the business of taking money and giving it away to build our communities. Yes, we're in the business of creating responsive and resilient nonprofits and ensuring that we have an ecosystem of nonprofits that makes Minnesota healthy, that builds nonprofits in the areas where we're growing among our immigrant communities and our newly emerging needs, 
and that sustains the nonprofits who have been with us to keep us healthy and inspired for for generations, whether it's in arts, in education, in personal well-being, health care, food, or social justice, which is a major focus for our foundation. Eric, your background is interesting. Your academia, science background, you were the CEO of the Science Museum in St. Paul. So how does one go from being that strong science background to becoming the CEO of Minnesota's largest and oldest community foundation? Love of Minnesota. So nearly 20 years ago, more than 30 years ago, I came to Minnesota once to teach a postdoc course at the Humphrey Institute. Decades later, I was invited to look at the Science Museum of Minnesota, and I thought, what a wonderful chance to see how can a science museum expand the way it serves its community and its well-being. I came here, I thought, for a few years to see how that would work out, fell in love with Minnesota, with the nonprofit sector of which the Science Museum was one small part. And when the board of directors for the foundation called and said, we want you to help us grow hundreds, if not thousands, of strong nonprofits, I, I couldn't resist. And so my, my passion is people. I'm driven by a curiosity that led me in the direction of science, but also in the direction of finding new ways to solve human problems. Are you originally from Minnesota then? Did you grow up in, in this this state? No, I was an academic nomad. I started <laughs> um, living between Oklahoma and Rhode Island as a young child. I did my academic, first academic degrees in those two states and then was a, a faculty member everywhere from Harvard to UCLA and a dozen places in between and never imagined settling into a place for this long and can tell you I haven't found a better, more welcoming community in the nation. Now, I noticed the name is the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. So that would lead me to believe it's focused on St. Paul. Talk a little bit more about that, because I believe it's way beyond just St. Paul. It's way beyond both St. Paul. So, for example, we manage and work with a number of foundations and organizations. Our staff is also the staff of the Mardag Foundation, which has made numerous grants to the Mankato area. We are the staff of the uh, Bigelow Foundation, which has a focus in a tri-county area around St. Paul. We were, at one point, the St. Paul Foundation, the legacy of Annie Paper, and the Minnesota Foundation, which grew out of a number of different nonprofits, including Wilder. And during my tenure here, we merged the two. And so we have a lot of donor-designated funds that focus in the St. Paul area, but we also have funds and staff that are all around the state. We support 16 community affiliates, grassroots organizations in 16 communities all across the state, particularly in more rural areas of Minnesota, where the community gets together, pools their resources, and decides how to put it to the betterment of their local people. And we provide staff, support, financial management and resources for those organizations. We support a program called Catchify that serves over 800 nonprofits all across the state in getting thousands of volunteer hours to build their strategic plans, their annual reports, their giving campaigns. We um, do statewide programs like the Minnesota Disaster Recovery Fund or Connect Minnesota, which was aimed at bringing technology resources into greater Minnesota so that the whole state could live during COVID and a online and with confidence that students could still attend and learn. So we do a range of organizations 
all across the state and occasionally across the nation. So with Dr. Michael Osterholm, we created the Frontline Family Fund and gave millions of dollars to people who had a loss in their family as a direct service to those in need during COVID. So we have a broad reach and we are very involved in the state as well as in policy issues across the state. Because quite honestly, when the state can distribute its resources more efficiently with our partners in government and in the nonprofit sector, all of Minnesota will benefit. How do you assess the needs of the communities from your base in downtown St. Paul? And in what ways are you involved in the projects that have an impact statewide? Oh, gosh, well, I travel statewide, whether it's spending days at the Iron Range and learning about the pride of that community, the diversity that they bring and the resources that they have generated historically for this state to Red Wing and look at their striving and building art communities to Ely and and look at their use of programs, not just agricultural, but uh, for tourism and, and building visitorship. So I love getting out to Minnesota, meeting the nonprofit leaders, the public safety leaders, the educational leaders, and I serve on many statewide boards. But we also rely on that network of 16 community affiliates to give us feedback and input as to where we need to go. The biggest shift that this foundation has made in recent years is to really understand power shouldn't live and reside in St. Paul. It should reside in our local communities. And so the first question we ask about every grant request is who said that was a priority? Who informed it? Who said this is a priority? This is the important thing for us to do for our community. Are they local? Are they the people who will benefit from this work? And did they help construct the intervention so that we know that those who are benefiting from our work are the ones who said, this is what we need. This is our priority here and now, and this is the way we need it solved. Not some solve that came from another state or from a a district that didn't look like us, but that came from our own community and people. That's our pledge is to be informed by and invest in community-led solutions. Do communities come to you or do you reach out to the communities? What is the process for getting and distributing these grants? So we have open grant fields for certain things, such as helping with management improvement fund when there's a shift of leadership or a need for a nonprofit to look at developing their strategic plan or opportunity. And then we have two grant cycles a year, which people can apply to and get coaching on from our own team. Occasionally, we'll reach out and we'll say, look, if we see, for example, something happen that is a trauma in our community, we'll go in and ask, where can we help? That might have been delivering water bottles and, and, and offering people rides during the riots following George Floyd's murder, to dealing with news that a a senior citizen housing complex lost its air conditioning and doesn't have the cash to deal with it immediately while we have seniors' health at risk. So we keep attached to our community, informed by our community, but open to them calling us. What are the ways that someone can get involved with the work of the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation? There are a lot of ways. And remember, our work is for a healthy nonprofit sector that serves our community. And so you can not get involved with us, but get involved with your community and volunteer. Or you can get involved with us directly. For example, our Facing Race Awards recognizes individuals who are joining together with communities to actively fight racism across Minnesota. 
We're opening nominations in April for the Facing Race Awards. We'd love more people to be nominated for their work to advocate for equity and justice across all of Minnesota. Come to our website, spmcf.org. Or for nonprofits, they can get involved by contacting us, and we can help them not only explore grant opportunities, but partner with them to help them grow their endowment, show them ways in which we can help them with their investment portfolio, or with converting non-cash assets and accept gifts. If you're a donor who's thinking about giving up that home on the lake as, as you, you, you face retirement, we can help you turn that real estate into a gift to your favorite nonprofit. Or we work with professional advisors, those who help people who have lived a fortunate life and are looking to give back to their community. We help those professional advisors find ways to leverage the passion of their clients into the service of our community. We are the connector between the nonprofit community and the rest of the state and its great people. That's how we get involved. It's interesting to look back at the history from some 80 years ago that you started with a a donation of $5,000, which at that time was quite a bit, and it has grown to this today. So it shows that individuals, by pooling their resources together, can really make a huge difference because that $5,000 initially, you said, is still generating funds to help today. Absolutely. So, And we use those funds in some very creative ways. One of the things that we offered a few years ago was for our donor-advised fund holders. These are people who open an account. They may have a tax event, right? You retire and you realize a great portfolio of stocks that you suddenly get cash for, and you, you want to take a tax advantage from that by, by donating that to the community, but you don't want to give it all away at once. You want to say, let me put this aside and decide over the next five or six years where to parse it out. We're a partner for that. And we offered our donors, for example, a chance a few years ago to join us, making 1.5% seven-year loan. And every dollar they gave, we gave a dollar to help people who were otherwise less well-banked enter into home ownership. So those in our community who have been marginalized and, and on the edge of being able to to gain a mortgage or gain a home ownership advantage, we helped them. And we had over $10 million that donors put into that fund. So we make loans with our donors. And then they recirculate that money ten, seven years later and give it away again. We invest our money in community assets and businesses that we want to see growing here. So we use that portfolio to make great gifts and to make great investments for the betterment of our state. It's a very different model than we started with 80 years ago. But today we put all of our assets to work for the good of our community through the money we earn and give away and through the way we earn our money to make our state better and invest in a responsible investment and responsible programs. Eric, how has it been lately, you know, with the stock markets up and down? How do you maintain that you're able to continue to give in the communities? Well, one thing we've learned, don't panic. You haven't made or lost money in the stock market until you cash in those stocks. And so I tell everyone at home, sit on your retirement. Life will get better. I'm not a financial advisor. Please don't quote me on that. Talk to your own. (laughs) But we use a rolling average 
so that we balance out the very great years with the very poor years, and on average have had wonderful years. For the last three years, our investments have outperformed every community foundation in the nation with more than $500 million to invest, and we just don't know about those who are smaller. So we've done wise with our investments, but we are patient with our capital. We average it out so that if we have a bad year, we know it's not going to be a bad decade, and we'll make sure that our community doesn't suffer as we get through. We hold back from the great years a little bit for these downtimes, and on average, we're just doing great. For our average listener, you know, they may be interested in contributing to the well-being of our own communities and maybe develop solutions to community challenges or maybe creating or opportunities for equity where all community members can thrive. What advice do you have for them? Well, the first thing is look at our website. It's got tools for donors. It's got opportunities to get engaged. It will tell the story of nonprofits all across the state that you can invest in. But also find like-minded people. If your resources aren't so great that you're ready to open a donor advised fund, maybe collectively you can and create a community fund that you can give back to. Don't miss talking to your nonprofit leaders in every community. They've had a rough goal of it during these years in COVID. They've kept going when showing up to the office wasn't possible, but the needs of our communities never diminished and showing up and doing something was essential. Talk to them, support them, find out how you can help through your direct giving or through giving with a foundation. That's where we can get started. Refresh our sense of generosity and remember that every gift matters. If you have a minute, I'll put a quick story. Mm -hmm. When I was at the Science Museum and I had a day of low energy, I would walk out on the floor and watch the families and kids screaming and having joy (laughs) over realizing new things in their world. And as I, I looked at one family, the parents were incredibly anxious. They, they, were, they were nervous. They kept trying to calm their child down. I knew something wasn't right. And so I asked the parents, could I talk to their children? And I, met, I brought the two kids over. And I said, would you like to have a tour of the very owls of the Science Museum where we keep all the magic treasures, the dinosaur bones that are still being researched, the artifacts that we don't have room for on the floor? And they shook their head yes with wonderment. I said, but it's a hands-in-your-pocket tour. <laughs> the parents took a deep sigh, and I took them on the tour. And after an hour or so, the kids were calm, and the little girl tugged on her mother's pant leg, whispered in her ear, and the mother nodded. And the child came to me and said, I have a gift. And she gave me a penny. And I thanked her, and I thought, that's really cute. It, you know, it's sweet for the child. And that's when the parents said to me, I need you to know. We were here because... Well, tomorrow our daughter goes in for open-heart surgery at the Mayo. And before she went, we went to the cathedral in St. Paul where she found her lucky penny. She slept with that penny all last night. That's the gift she gave to you. Can I tell you that that one cent meant more to our staff, our leadership, and our well-being and any major gift another donor is given. They all matter. But knowing that we have the support and love of our community, that what we do matters, is important. And that's the gift you can give to your nonprofit leaders, whether it's your penny, your dime, or your paycheck. Your support, 
your words of encouragement, just showing up and volunteering. There are great gifts, and the best is engagement where you share your passion and your care for people. That is a wonderful story. I appreciate you sharing that. We are talking with Eric Jolly, who is the president and CEO of the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation, talking about how that organization benefits the entire state and beyond and how you can be a part of it. Share that website again so if people want to learn more and how they can give or receive either way and be a part of what you do. Great. Well, of course, it's www.spmcf, St. Paul and Minnesota Community Foundation, spmcf.org. Take a look at our people, our programs, our strategies, and our core values. Find out if these are the things that resonate. And if they do, we've got places for you to engage, whether it's as a donor or a volunteer or someone who nominates for our Facing Race Awards. We're open to all of the community. And I would love to see people visiting us and taking those lessons into their community and engaging with us more so that we can continue to expand the ways we serve all of Minnesota. You know, we, we have different needs in every community. When I look at some of the old firehouses we have and realize they're not wide enough for new fire equipment, we know greater Minnesota has needs that are different, but no less compelling than the rest of our great cities. And we're going to find a way to serve each of our citizens. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for your time. I'm going to end with a quote that is off your site from you, and it is, As leaders in our community, we can't do it all, but together we can see that it all gets done. And that is from you, and it sounds like that is what you are all about. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Karen, and the listeners of Ampere's Network. I am so impressed with the community that you engage and the way they stay with you. Thank you for for being a messenger for all of us. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. You take care. That was Eric Jolly, the president and CEO of the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. And my name is Karen Wright.